Welcome to the Big Self Podcast on an episode on sadness. Shelly, it's so great to have you back. How yeah. are you feeling right now? Uh, I feel great, actually. Yeah, yeah I am. Um, I am. I don't know that I'm excited to do this episode, but I think it's important. And it's a topic that we don't talk that much about um, collectively. So, yeah, I was telling you when you were, you know, we were talking about talking about sadness. I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Who's going to sign up? Who's going to raise their hand? Let me listen to a podcast about being sad. I know. As soon as you told me that, too, and I was like, you know, I was telling you, I thought this could make it. And I was like, you're right. This would never make a a podcast. But though, you know? we are going to try to bring you value. Well, of course make we you are. think about sadness, maybe in a way you've not thought about it. And see where it shows up for you um, and just see your reaction to this topic. Like, how do you, I just actually ran into some friends on the street <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're going to podcast about sadness. And they're like, oh, wow, that's deep. I'd have to psych myself up for that one. Right. And I, I thought that was interesting. Well, like the relation, yeah. our relationship to sadness is complicated. So it doesn't quite have the marketing hook of how to be happier by thinking positively. Right. Right. Yeah. But in a way, Shelly, that's just the point. And by the way, everyone, we're not going to try to bring you something new. We are bringing you something new in a paradoxical way. You could say that sadness is the very inversion of happiness. But my goodness, haven't we been inundated by quick fixes and all of the happiness everything's got to be, it's like fast. And well, let's take it back for 70 years. We've been hearing about the power of positive thinking. And look, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about visualizing, visualizing your reality. That is, and yes, language and what we talk about and what we think about generates our reality. Okay. Yes. All of this is very true. Yeah. I don't think that, can I add something here? I don't think that sadness is something that we have to manufacture. I think the thing is, I love this point that you're making. I think sometimes visualizing and envisioning a desire or a goal or an outcome, like sometimes we do have to engineer that, which is what we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Sadness is one of those things that we don't have to engineer, but we shouldn't avoid it either, which is what I think most of us do. We just tend to not face it or feel it. So therefore, yeah, I think that's the, that's the difference. Um, between a lot of that visualizing, um, engineering happiness, mm-hmm. you know, I th- and and so we don't have to figure out how to be more sad. We just can't ignore it. <laughs> yeah, with some of our points and some of the research I've done for sadness in this episode, it's interesting. Like there, are, there are some aspects of it. We'll get to it, but that just like it sounds like yeah. And if you could just be a little more sad, you'll find that you have more motivation. <laughs> And it just doesn't have the same, well, you know what? I'm going to push back a tiny bit just right here. I'm going to think in some cases, I think maybe some people should be open to generating sadness. Okay. I've put it out there because I just think that like some people have avoided real pain points in their life Mm -hmm. long enough. And if they want to enter this territory, I love thinking of it as territory. Like watch a sad movie. 
Is that what you mean? Well, no, I don't mean just watch a sad listen to movie or read a sad like listen read to a Wilco. Re- <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're Touché. doing? <laughs> oh. I want to ask you this before we move on. Okay. What what is your relationship to sadness? <laughs> like how do you Why? I, I'm curious. Like My, how, well, you're I, a 4, yeah, so okay. you're an Enneagram 4, yeah. which probably is the most comfortable with sadness Here of I am all laughing. nine types. So what yeah. like how do you experience sadness and, and do, do you have <laughs> right. to kind of seek it out um, as a sexual you, four? Yeah, like everybody doesn't know the subtypes and the Enneagram categories right now, mind you. But uh, okay, my relationship to sadness, uh, without this being about me, since you asked, put me on the spot, I would say... That's what I do. That I can... You're right. Like un, before it became more conscious how in my emotions I could be, how I could without, again, even realizing it become my emotions, especially in like this melancholic kind of way. Before I knew that, I think that I I could like swallow up and really absorb sadness and be in sadness as yes, an Enneagram mm. four. And mm. I understand that that is a particular, you could say superpower, also a weakness if we if we stay there and are very unconscious about it. Also, I'll just follow that quickly up by saying that maybe it's a little bit of my intensity uh, and maybe it's a little bit of being a guy, but I would frequently convert that sadness into anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would like, and this is a, in a way why we're talking about sadness, because I think a lot of people, whether it's anger or other emotions, they will mask sadness. And you have been yeah. uh, instrumental, like you, you've been great for a long time at getting uh, not only me, but a, a lot of clients to look a little bit deeper behind the surface emotion, look a little bit deeper at what's going on hmm. through some good questions and so often it is sadness mm-hmm. that is sitting there. Yeah. And that, you know, and a lot of people don't, I'm just going to last thought on this. A lot of people don't want to admit because it feels, I guess, vulnerable. It feels weak. Right. I know we're not really diving into Enneagram with this episode, but I mm. do want to say this and I want to, you know, talk about what we teach, what we learn and what we believe mm-hmm. is that, the heart triad. So if you are a type two, a three or four, your core emotion, even if it's unconscious, is is in your operating system. The mm-hmm. core emotion is sadness. And it looks different for different types. And mm-hmm. so and that's what I wanted to say mm-hmm. about myself as a type two. I th- I believe that sadness is the emotion that I repress yeah. the most and the quickest. And it goes into my shadow probably most often than the other emotions. So twos are known for repressing emotions. Yes. Um, Sadness is the one that I have the most uh, difficult time with. I think it's probably like I've shared with you, like, I don't know why I cry sometimes. Like, why am I like, where does that come from? And you pointed out that at times it comes out as an anxiety, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think fear is probably the, the second emotion that I 
repress the most. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's important, like for you all that identify with type two, three, or four as a heart type, we do have this kind of shadow or unconscious operating sadness hmm. that's underneath a lot of our personality structure it's, or it's embedded in our personality structure and okay. it's, it's the grief it's this it's this sadness of not being seen for who we really are and that's part of being a heart type that's part of being an image type that's part of our this deep childhood wounding around mirroring yeah. that we didn't get it we didn't get uh, in our holding environment, those like I really see you, <clears throat> excuse me, and I honor and I love who you are. And so I think that we carry that a flavor of that sadness with us into adulthood. Um, and so I think there's a lot of, I think I, I just want to say that, but I think that's what we want to talk about today is the power of turning toward it. Yes. Versus just eliminating it, repressing yes. it, avoiding it, which is what most of us tend to do. So, okay. I, yeah. lo I love that's that. That's an interesting and surprising setup. I guess since we have gone in the Enneagram direction for a minute, just very quickly, if you happen to be a five, six and seven, your core emotion, of course, is you're in the triad of the fear. And if you're an eight, nine and one, you're in the triad of your basic emotion being anger. But this, regardless of that, everyone has a different relationship to sadness. So whatever your core operating emotion is, this episode is for you. And, and it's for us, it's for our culture as well. You know, like we actually, I remember earlier in the year in season four, we had on um, Jennifer Moss, right? And she was talking about how, you know, kind of late 2000s, early 2010s, she was a happiness researcher and looking at, you know, happiness in the workplace. And then she was realizing, I think, like so many of us, we're tired of the trite little um, short-term fixes. We're tired of being told that we can, uh, if we do X, Y, and Z, we'll be more productive, and all of these, they don't last because we are talking about the kinds of emotional work, the kind of inner work that does last because it is transformative. It is there for the long haul. And in the end, that is what really makes the difference. Mm -hmm. And it's complex. Sure. This is not something um, so much of my happiness studies have been around like employee engagement, you know, really looking at what Gallup has discovered, the Gallup um, yeah, the company. And it, yeah, and it is, it's just not so simple. And I think um, back in the 2010s, there was this desire to simplify it and kind of look at retention and productivity right. and engagement and like quantify it. And I still see that. I still think there is that tendency, but, but I love that, like what Jennifer's doing, um, Paula Davis is doing, like people are really, um, celebrating that, that there's complexity to this. And I, and I think that's what sadness does. It makes it not so, when you put sadness into this conversation, you honor the complexity. It's not just about being happy or engaged or, yes. you know, or even purposeful. Like, you know, sometimes there's diversions from that that have Absolutely, a lot of right? information for us. Yeah. And so uh, as a quick 
last thought before we really dive in here. The kind of sadness we're talking about is not grief and it's not depression. And there's a lot where, you know, there's a lot of different angles that you can take on sadness. And also we're not talking about staying in sadness. We're talking about letting in a little sadness, not deny and seeing where it leads because if sadness is knocking in whatever your personality structure may be, it's trying to say something. Mm-hmm. It's trying to tell you something. Yeah. I th- let's, let's start with the basic core emotions. So, and you've, you've been looking at my emotions wheel. Yes. I, I can't, I can't help it. I'm checking out your, your sexy yeah. emotions and, wheel. And I, I tend to talk about just four basic emotions with folks, um, you know, yeah, me too. their basic anger. Because of inside sadness, out, right? Right. Well, it's, I, they had more than that, but. I thought they had four. I thought it was, f- go ahead. Well, the wheel is anger, disgust, which was also in um, inside out, sadness, happiness, fear, and surprise. So surprise. Surprise, I just don't think about. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't typically put in surprise or disgust. That's right. Yeah. So sadness has, uh, you know, the variations on a theme for sadness. Really, when you get nuanced about it, you could be talking about guilt. You could be having a feeling of abandonment or despair. I think the the prolonged sag- sadness, especially yeah. a situational kind of prolonging can turn into depression. It does feel like that. I think loneliness is a version. Yes. Um, and then boredom. I think that's a that's a piece of the sadness equation. And then underneath all of those there's even more nuance that we can talk about. But but the 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 core of, of sadness, uh, in my opinion, and this is what I coach people to, to recognize, sadness shows up in our lives as a, it's a messenger of loss. So I believe that every core emotion has their messengers and literally yeah. their neurological messengers. That is, and that, so I agree. I like the way you're putting that. There's something that is, a, is triggered in our brains. Sometimes it's a memory. Sometimes it's a sensation. Uh, but it, it create you know, creates these emotions for us. And then the emo- the emotions are messengers and they're trying to get us to pay attention to something in order to kind of uh, move through it or metabolize it or make meaning out of it. You know, that's what our brains are designed to do. And so the, the message of sadness is, hey, you're experiencing a loss, that you need to see and recognize and make sense of. And it could be you know, so many losses. Okay. Well, that that's good. That's a great setup. And, you know, but let's, why? So we actually, I was just mentioning Inside Out, and we, we do get annoyed with those. First of all, we don't like being around negative people. But also, like, in terms of literature or in terms of maybe stereotypes in film, I always think when there's someone who's just always negative and just do, 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 I think of Eeyore. So, and I'm like, you you know, I sometimes will even, I've been known to tell the person that they're being like Eeyore, um, give them that (laughs) unsolicited feedback. Um, but also in inside out, I found joy and sadness to be the most annoying characters. Hmm. Why? 
Well, sadness was because of this very thing. It was like, it was like everything's negative. Like, can't hello. And joy was just like, da, 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 we're going to write the show, you know? And it was both of them were, well, were they not annoying to you? Or are you not really remembering Inside Out? No, no, I remember it. Um, okay. No, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel annoyed <laughs> by any of the characters. I, I, you know, I think they, they personified a, um, a single emotion. So the, of course they were the sadness. They enveloped mm. that and or joy. So I think it was, uh, I, th- I thought it actually showed a really good dis- depiction of all these different subparts of us that really do like, we do have a sad part. We do have a happy part. We have an angry part. I always think about it as the angry teenager part. Yeah. So we do have these parts that reside in us. So you are a little more distanced, critical thinker, observer, and I was just getting really pulled You're in. You're getting sucked into the, the story too much. I guess. I guess so. Um, I don't know, though. Like in Winnie the Pooh, do you just kind of think, oh, Tigger is... You're just very distanced observer. Tigger is just always bouncing around. And I don't Eeyore's, think of him that way. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't, huh. I don't, um, I don't get annoyed, I guess. Oh, I do. That's interesting. Well, the truth, you know, the truth of the matter is this, that we're trying to say is embracing sadness is a critical component of our learning and our growth. Honestly, and this is the inversion of it. It is a pathway and this, it, there is freedom here and you will experience deeper joy If you can not necessarily pursue sadness, but if you can let yourself be there, your joy will be deeper and longer lasting. You will in your life have more satisfaction and peace. And sometimes, sometimes we could call that like a deeper calm. You know, we're talking about, you know, one dimensional characters. If your life denies certain emotions, then it's almost like your own in your own life you're not being a well-rounded character you're you're um denying yourself certain parts of what it means to be human in fact let let's just shall you know like how sometimes when we've been we've been teaching the enneagram and we've said these core emotions for each of the types the body types having anger heart types having sadness and head types having fear and we call them negative emotions mm-hmm. first of all well let's not go the whole way do you think all of them are negative emotions let's stay with sadness do you think of sadness as a negative emotion no, <laughs> uh, unequivocally. Um, unequivocally. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I don't. I actually was just trying to find my. Um, I was because I was I was reflecting on why do I not feel annoyed with sadness or joy yeah. or your trigger and why do you? Yeah, you should explore that. <laughs> well, I'm I'm remembering and I can't find the right quote, the exact quote, but Carl Jung talks about. The, you know, what we accept in ourselves, we accept in others. And what oh. we judge in ourselves, we judge in others. Wow, that's and I, good. I do, I think I've probably like done way too much work in thinking about my emotional health. Um, but I don't, I don't mm. really, I don't see any emotions as negative anymore. Like I, I know I, I have and I, 
I still have in my toolbox these yeah. kind of knee-jerk desires to repress certain emotions, yeah. but I I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're negative. I think I'm learning to pay attention to, to emotions that have a lot of um, insight for me or data for me to think about. Um, it's what it we do with the emotions. Right. It doesn't mean it's comfortable and certainly don't love it. But I, I remember when, um, I guess a lot, our son was heading to school, to college, and I was irritated for the week and I, um, yeah. and I was, I, you know, just having a lot of, I just, it was, it felt complex. It felt like I was in this forest of emotion and I couldn't, I was like, why, what's going on? And of course he's about to cry. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. So you were in this forest of emotions. So this is real time, <laughs> you know, thinking about sadness. Yeah. I do. I think it, it's not negative. This feels negative. It feels terrible. Yeah. And I remember, um, you know, cause I think I am in touch with it mm. and I don't want to be right. You're not running from it. You're not repressing it as your, maybe your personality instinct might want to do. Yeah. And the reason I think it's about loss is because I think there are these, mm-hmm. um, I don't, they're kind of like my, little mini micro deaths that yeah. we have to endure hmm. to be human. And so we're always evolving. And so as we're yes. evolving and as our children grow up and go to college and yeah. you know, we become empty nesters and we change careers and we're, we're, you know, who am I now? Like all of this evolution inevitably brings loss. I love the way you're putting that. That that is it's so true. Like I've well go ahead. So I mean just to to in order to evolve and in order to grow, I have to stop and look at what am I losing? And that does not feel good. Yeah. And that's sadness. Right. And so we deny a lot of the transience of life. And there, that is where sadness should be acknowledged, right? I mean, to didn't we did we tend to de, just act as if this were eternal and we're just yeah. going on, and every day is the same, and change is constant. Well, and what happens if we don't feel it? <clears throat> I think we, I think we, we bounce around on the surface of life, is the way I think of it. Like if I don't turn toward, you know, my son leaving and all that that feels like, Yeah. then I'm plowing through the, um, the activities of the day, the week, the month, and I'm not really embracing, you know, a changed relationship with him or a changed identity as a mom. Um, so I, I, I think that we, when we don't feel and go into the depth of all these emotions, not just sadness, we're bouncing around in the surface of life and we're missing the sizzle. We're missing the depth. We're missing the, our own growth, our own evolution. Um, That's wonderfully said. By just in staying your sadness. happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, well, okay. So that let's kind of formalize this a little bit more for our listening audience so you can have some very specific and clear takeaways as is always helpful with podcasts. So I would say sadness can help you keep sight of your relationships 
and your dreams, much to the point Mm -hmm. of what you just said. And so this is what I mean. In other words, being sad, it does help you come to terms with a situation Mm -hmm. like you're talking about and to be able to move on and not be stuck there. So that's why. We're doing this podcast. It's an imp- sadness is an important emotion that helps everyone, regardless of your Enneagram number. Adapt. It helps you adapt. It helps you come to acceptance. It can help you focus. It certainly helps you to persevere and ultimately to grow. So let's talk about this a little. Mm. You know, there's. I, I would say, and this is, I think, a very interesting part of this topic. There is a place that a lot of us go that just keeps us stuck for the rest of our lives. And I'm going to say that that place is shame. All right. So let's talk a little bit about shame for whatever. So sometimes it's a real thing that we have done to ourselves or maybe to somebody else. Or maybe, you know, we think of it as something we've done wrong to our community and, and others. Uh, or maybe it's something like it's kind of imaginary and we're, we're internalizing a shame that we didn't even have to. But either way, we, it's like an early death. It's like an early death for our soul because it paralyzes our growth. We don't allow ourselves to go to regret I remember one time in graduate school, I had a, I had a friend who said he doesn't regret. And I remember giving a lot of thought to that and kind of wondering about it and thinking about it. And oh, I've obviously I've come to the side of like, well, you're cutting yourself off from something mm-hmm. like by, oh, you just, you just don't regret like, hello, we make mistakes mm-hmm. and there are things to regret and there are things to allow yourself to move into the territory and be able to go to, I would say that I want to hear your thoughts on what you think about this idea of how shame keeps us stuck. But um, Mm -hmm. even before that, I want to invite anyone who's listening to consider, is there, as you're driving around, as you're doing other tasks and maybe you're like distracted and you're trying to listen to this a little bit, if you're able to be calm and sit for a minute, Is there an area, is there a territory that you could possibly allow yourself or is sadness trying to visit itself upon you and you are pushing it away? Is there an awareness that you could open yourself up to? So I'm going to leave that as a, as an open-ended thought as we uh, follow through with the rest of this podcast. I'm, I'm thinking about what you just said about shame keeping us stuck. Yeah. And it just occurred to me, and I, um, this is a working theory, so bear with me, but you know, it's, it's like sadness plus shame equals depression. It's this, you know, the shame of, I shouldn't be sad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, keeps us stuck in sadness. <laughs> And not, I think when we pay attention to it and we ride the wave of it, it does tend to do its job and go away until we need it again, until there's another loss. But when we, we get stuck in this place of I shouldn't be sad, it means something about me 
or my life or my inadequacy or unworthiness, Mm -hmm. I think that that stuck, sad place is where depression can manifest. And I want to read something really quickly because I, um, Parker Palmer, so if you read this or if you listen to our podcast, you will know we adore him. And he was on episode... He was on season four. Last year. in December, yeah. Yeah, and he has a quote. I just want to read this because I think it does speak to what we're talking about. Um, Like a wild animal, the soul is tough, resilient, resourceful, savvy, and self-sufficient. It knows how to survive in hard places. I learned about these qualities during my bouts with depression. Mm -hmm. In that deadly darkness, the faculties I had always depended on collapsed. And I think that there's something about the, this, um, I won't say depression's a gift, <laughs> um, but I think it is, there's a function. And I think in that dark place where you, we kind of get stuck in the sadness, in the shame, that the depression, the way Parker Palmer talks about it is a hand that pushes him into the groundedness the groundedness of his being, that Mm. he is a soul. He is a big self. And all the things that we, we, you know, prop ourselves up with in our lives stop working when you're really sad. And so, um, when they things start working, then you are, you are back in touch with soul essence, you know, whatever you want to call it. So I think that's the function of it. I won't call it a gift because if you've been, if you've had depression, um, it's hard to think of it as a gift, especially when you're in it. But I think for people, for those people that come out of it and see the, the function of it, the purpose of it, I think there is something about, um, getting us in touch with some part of us that's truer and getting us in touch with our sadness. That okay. it is some, there is some loss happening that we feel ashamed about. And so there is, you know, that's part of, I think this, the cycle of depression. You know, I think that you've said recently that you've heard some in some circles say you've heard, the idea that shame has no place in any of us. And you might argue that, and we might argue, both of us, that all of the emotions serve a function. If we are able to have them, they may be there for a reason. I am, so I am not necessarily saying that shame, you should never have felt shame, much like regret. But what I am saying is that shame has this tendency to really keep us stuck, keep us paralyzed. What, because we don't, because we want to go into functional personality. We're afraid of get the feeling engulfed. We're afraid of confronting a shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brene Brown obviously has done, is probably the most prominent person doing shame research today. Um, and she describes shame as an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And I, you know, I, um, I, I think that's a version. I guess if you define it that way, I don't think that there's room, there's any place for it. Right. I, I really do. And we were just talking about this. I think there's evolutionary value in shame and in guilt 
or we wouldn't have them. We would have evolved past the need for them. So I, to me, and the way I, I coach people is, you know, when you feel guilt, um, and a lot of folks I, I work with, that's a very powerful emotion is mm-hmm. guilt and, or shame. You know, guilt is I'm, I feel guilty about what I do. Shame is I feel bad about who I am. You know, guilt is I feel bad about what I did. And so it's a behavior-based. Shame is who I am. Uh-huh, right. Good differentiation. So, but here's the thing. I think that um, it's we can have guilt and even shame as a self-writing mechanism, as a, okay. a course-correcting kind of evolutionary buffer. Like, because guilt and shame both, I think that when we feel that it's calling us again, if you go back to emotions are messengers, guilt and shame are self-writing. So it's calling you to pay attention to, am I living in alignment with my values? Am I living in alignment with who I am, who I want to be in society? And when we don't, or we feel like we're falling down on that in some ways, all it is, is like, pay attention. Like, is this, is this, how you want to show up in the world. Now, and I think what some people talk about, and Brene Brown, I, I think in her shame research, is when we interject, when we take on shame that isn't ours yeah. from society, from parents, from family, from, um, you know, I think about just all the the marginalized ways that people can be in the world. And so... That's different. I think that that's kind of that is the the fear of worthy of of not worthy of love and belonging. But that's been something that we interject from the world. That's not something that is coming from us. So I think that's where the shame can get a little bit complicated, um, especially as it relates to sadness. Okay, so that is. <sighs> What we've been trying to say here, which leads us to point number two, is that sadness is a pathway to freedom. We've been trying to say, so all you sevens out there who really love the idea of freedom and everyone. So why does it lead to freedom? Because, well, first of all, I don't, I don't know how far I want to go into this territory, but I really feel, I believe that the isolation that we feel in ourselves, in our, we're very cut off from each other. We're very isolated in the ego and the I, and it, it, it results in a profound loneliness. Being able to be in touch with your sadness is a way out mm-hmm. of the isolation of the I, of the ego. Yeah, I think sadness is a um, symptom of disconnection. Yes. Okay. Right to that point. You know, and so a lot of times we'll have sadness because, as you said in the setup about like what heart types might have needed at a very, very early age, we maybe there was something we needed from a loved one and we didn't receive it. Mm-hmm. Or at any, at any given time, you know, not just early childhood development. And, you know, we tend to form a lot of different responses and reactions to it. But overall, when we repress it, when we repress an emotion, in this case, sadness, it becomes something else. Like for me, I, as I said in the beginning, it could, it, could, it could become anger. As we've just been talking about, it can become depression when you stay really stuck in it. I think for me, it becomes anxiety. 
Okay. It can become anxiety. It can also, I think, very powerfully and importantly, it can keep us trapped. And when it comes to family dynamics, it can keep us trapped in generational cycles of trauma and pain that we don't even know we're handing down sometimes when we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I, any, yeah, I, I told my dad, you know, I was like, he was like, son, I accept some of the feedback that you're giving me. And when you have a family, I really want you to break the cycle. And I really appreciated that message from him. And I know that he meant it sincerely. And while I did immediately with the things I was conscious of course, correct on, there were just things that were coming out unconsciously that I was repeating Hmm. without meaning to. And fortunately, you know, we've brought them into consciousness. We we're doing the best we can. So, you know, so, okay. So sadness also leads to freedom. There's, you know, there's all kinds of, this is what makes this topic even more fascinating. Just over the past few years, we're learning, we're constantly learning things. The brain, some people say is the final frontier, like what we can learn about how the brain works. And so we are all, we've got all kinds of researchers talking about different kinds of uh, findings that they've had. Like recently, uh, there's been a university in New South Wales. They found that accepting this research from there, accepting and allowing for temporary sadness helps improve. These are interesting findings. Our attention to detail, it increases our perseverance It promotes generosity and makes us more grateful for what we've got and perhaps even more clear eyed about it when we get it. Yeah. So I I mean, it's not, again, it's not like this is in a a motivational for like, so go get sad, right? So you can go be more grateful and have better attention to detail, but it's just, I think it's more of allowing yourself into this territory helps with the overall fluidity and um, resilience. I think it too, it just speaks of awareness. So if you're aware of sadness coming up for you, then you're probably aware of a lot of other things. Like there's a correlation there that... Um, right. Yeah. And if you're not aware of when you feel sad, you're probably not aware of all the other things that were just mentioned. Or at least it might not be as as apparent to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. We fall for the halo effect where we think certain people, usually those those top, top level people, the, the most beautiful, the most successful, we think they can do no wrong. So when sadness actually helps us not fall for that fallacy. Speak mm-hmm. to your point about greater self-awareness. I love this one about crying. <laughs> I know you do. Because, man, am I releasing some cortisol? Yeah. Uh, It reduces levels of cortisol, y'all. Yeah, like, and you love talking about cortisol. The stress hormone. So, <laughs> it, I mean, there is yep. some, there is this value in just like a good cry. <laughs> which, As a case in point in this very episode. Yeah, and it's really, I've told you this, I think the more in touch I've gotten with um, quote, negative emotions, especially sadness and fear and anxiety, I would say, the less I cry, if y'all can believe it. Um, but it's like, it, there is something about um, turning toward it, metabolizing it, paying attention to it. So, so when I'm in situations that don't warrant 
crying, <laughs> like public speaking, <laughs> right. or you know whatever. Yeah. Then I, I, that's not that's not my instinct. And so there is this. Crying when you're supposed to cry is really important. And it apparently, according, there's another study from Indiana University in Bloomington. I love that word, blooming, that Bloomington. Yeah, I just. (laughs) It's IU, yeah. yeah. Um, But that you have, um, typically you you will experience fewer negative aggressive feelings is how they put it. Now we just kind of said, well, are any feelings negative? I think they're, they're negative if they're controlling you and if they're in reactivity, like rage, um, maybe disgust. That's to me when a feeling is more negative. Mm -hmm. And also, this is also interesting. Ironically enough, if you allow yourself to be in touch with sadness temporarily, you will have high, a higher level of self-esteem like the, than the people who don't cry, than the people who are against feeling sad. They actually don't experience. There's a paradox there. Yeah, that's the, the weird thing about sadness. Part of the gift of happiness as we're talking about. Yeah. Sadness is also apparently, you know, it's, it can be motivating in this, in this interesting way. They've also found that people who are in touch with their sadness tend to be a little bit more motivated than people who are always in the surface level uh, happiness and stuck in the vortex of, of running from or simply just being disconnected from their sadness. There's a lot of com- there's a lot of reasons for it, but complacency is one of them. And feeling sad can help you when you work through it, when you enter that territory. There's so much exploration and it can actually be motivating as well. Mm. So, yeah, so, I can tell you're ready uh, well, to say something. I, I hope we've made a case here. I don't know. Well, you we guys have give us, give us some normal. feedback. It is, and it's healthy, and it's, you know, typically emotions last for, you know, 15 to 30 seconds, and, and mm. unless we feed a, a story that, you know, it means something about me, or it means something about the world, um, but to just have an emotion, um, again, it's neurochemical, like it's just there to tell you something, and if you pay attention to it, you look at whatever it's saying, you know, usually for sadness, like I've said, around loss or gosh, I feel disconnected from my child or my partner or my identity or whatever it is, other people. And so just seeing that and then it, and then you do move through it and there is this, this subtle motivation to make sense of it. And so, you know, and then it goes away. So I think that, you know, I hope that we're making this case for you to turn towards your sadness, even if it's a little bit, you won't get stuck in it. It's not you that is weird for feeling sad. It's our culture, frankly, that is weird by just, we have this weird obsession with don't worry, be happy. And look, I love that song too. And there's a place for it, but it's not the only way to be. No one said this would be easy. You know, when we talk about burnout and we talk about failure, we really make a point to say that, yes, this can be a gift. There's a lot that we can learn from it. It's not comfortable to fail. It sucks. Sometimes it sucks to feel sad, but recognizing it as the gift it can be for your freedom, for your growth, is the end goal. Knowing that, understanding that, I think that can help 
enormously. Yeah. We're not saying that happiness is... I. So I think I've been thinking about this a little bit. I think joy is a sustained mood and experience and emotion that you can be in. And same with happiness. I don't think that happiness is trite or simplistic, but it has to come from within. It has to come from having done the work. What's transient is just chasing one little pleasure signal after another. So when we want to go deep, when we want to like experience more freedom in our life, we will embrace and accept sadness. I would love to hear how this lands, this episode lands for people. Um, you know, it's, I love all of our episodes, but in particular, I think this one can pack a punch um, of a lot of disagreement or a lot of like um, kind of negative thoughts around it. Like this is the last thing I want to do is feel sad. Like, yeah. you know, so I would love to hear how people, how this lands, how this is tracking um, email us, reach out on our website, tag us on social media, send us a DM. Um, if there's, if, if it brings up stuff for you and, and the question of well, how do I do it? Like, what does that actually look like? And, and I think there is uh, a practice in that. And, you know, usually it is this, this um, reactivity that comes to us. And I'm even when you and I will have conversations and I sometimes feel myself uh, getting frustrated or uneased or unsettled. I think if I can look at what's underneath that, there usually is this kind of sadness of this disconnection or my needs aren't being validated or I'm not being seen or heard or, you know, some flavor of that. So I think that as you notice your reactivity, um, you'll start to see how it shows up for you. Um, and then just spending some time with it and see what message it has, I think is a good practice to start. I love, I love that. Uh, great point. We invite your feedback, your, uh, agreement or disagreement or your questions. Love to hear them. And, you know, as a, as a frame, as a follow-up to that question I posed, if you do have a chance to be able to center yourself, even if it's not now, but like when you have some time, make some time to be present with yourself, center yourself, be quiet, and let yourself experience some emotions. Try to get to acceptance and see if sadness leads you into a territory where you could see it as an opportunity for growth. So this is Chad and Shelley signing off. Bye.